0: This message is really for everybody but there is a lot that's going to be said specifically to fathers and before I say anything there's a pastor that I listen to I know you think I'm gonna say in Charlotte well this is actually in Indian trail and this is pastor Mike Whitson from the Indian Trail First Baptist Church and I was listening to a message of his last Saturday while I was over at the school doing some work. And he said one thing in there for two minutes. It blessed my heart and the Lord impressed me to, to daddies. And the Lord impressed me to share it with you, to let you hear something really good and fresh from somebody else. And I, I pray it will encourage you and bless you like it did me. So uh, watch the screen,
1: please. Uh, by the way, can I, can I just say a word here to you dads? You don't teach values, you model them. Wake up on Sunday morning tired, exhausted, give out. Maybe it's even on Saturday. You say, you know what? Let's just take the weekend and go to the cabin. Um, Let's just uh, not go to church today. We'll catch up next week. You know what you're modeling there? is inconsistency. God says, take every seventh day and refocus. Um, got a book in my car, the maintenance schedule in my car. And nowadays, you really don't need that book because electronically it comes up on your screen and it tells you that you are due for uh, a regular maintenance checkup in uh, your Car And and did that this week, and uh, the guy in the shop says that, well, Pastor, you need a timing belt in your car. You've got way too many miles on that and too many years on that timing belt, and it needs to be changed. You understand that the Bible is our maintenance book, and it has a schedule that God has already laid out and he says you can do these things on six days but on the seventh day you have to have a maintenance schedule that you can recharge refocus rest in uh, your life now that's not a difficult lifestyle uh, to live it's really not it's a logical lifestyle jesus said i am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And when you do things God's way, you get the benefit for it. You get the benefit physically, emotionally, and spiritually. God says, do it my way, and it's just going to get better.
0: Amen. Amen. And I didn't even say it. But I will say this. There's two two dads that I want to look closely at this morning, and it's actually in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 13, you know these two men, you know their story pretty much by heart, but beginning with the very first verse of chapter 13, we're going to begin reading about Abraham and Lot. Then Abraham, or Abram, went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south abram was very rich in livestock in silver and in gold and he went on his journey from the south as far as bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between bethel and ai to the place of the altar which he had made there at first and there abram called on the name of the lord lot also who went with abram had flocks and herds and tents now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land so Abram said to Lot please Let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. For we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. Or, Or if you take the right, then I'll go to the left. And Lot, listen closely, and Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent, even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And I want to just read verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. And today, this story that I know that pretty much everybody's familiar with. You got two. Let me say this: I don't really like a lot of uh, messages that I hear where preacher use where preachers use th- a lot of term and terminology that start with the same letter. But today, I can't help it. I I didn't plan this. These words just kind of worked out like that. And I said, oh. So I'm not really trying to be cool and hip and all that kind of stuff and get people to uh, post what I'm saying. It just worked out this way. But here we go. You got two dads that went in two directions, and they both wound up or ended up in two different destinations there, and Abraham, which he was later named by God, Abraham allowed Lot, his nephew, but kind of raised like his brother, he he allowed him to choose the direction that he wanted to go, or, or the destination he wanted to go. And th- there's a lot that you can take away from this, and I'm going to try to stay right where I'm supposed to today. But Lot and Abraham ended up in two totally different places. And the thing that, that Lot used to, to kind of give him that direction that he was going to go in was his eyes. The Bible says that Lot, he, he looked and his eyes saw the plain of Jericho and how well watered it was and what it looked like and all that. But how many of you know or how many of you have said this before? The grass is not always greener on the other side. Even though it, it looked like good grass, it looked like it was plush grass. It, it, it was grass that was in the wrong direction and I'll just take a minute to say if if, if you go in the wrong direction I don't care how good it looks and w- what you find on the way the Bible tells us not to get as close as we can to sin but the Bible says shun the very appearance of evil and Lot didn't use God or His Word or or knowing because Sodom already had, as we all have looked at, already had a reputation that it was a very wicked city and it was a bad place. And a person trying to live right and do right, you don't go and choose a bad place to perfect that way of living. Amen. You don't do that. Now, somebody might say, well, Opie, what if if Lot had chose the other direction and Abraham had went in that direction? You see, folks, this is a good time for me to tell you again what the Bible says. The Bible says, and God understands this, you are in the world. You're just not of the world. See, you can be in the world and the world not be in you. And when you start looking for the world and you get your eyes on the same things that the world keeps its eyes on and it pursues and chases after, you're going to get the same results that the world gets and you're going to find out that that destination is just not really what you had in mind a little too late. And and let me tell you about Abraham because the Bible already says, and we read this, that Abraham was already filthy rich. He was already rich and he was blessed by God and given promises by God that were not even fulfilled or he didn't see them yet. So we know that he wasn't some little old redneck of a man that, didn't have nothing to lose so I might as well do it anyway. The Bible says he was loaded, man. He was he was chock full. He was loaded. It was it was bleeding from him. He was so blessed. But you know what he used to make the statement to tell lot? Well, I'm going to let you choose. It's not good and, and my relationship with you is my nephew, my brother. My relationship with you me so what did he he didn't use his eyes to come up with the solution and the recommendation he used what was a part of him which was his humility you go first and then i'll go i'll i'll take the high road you you take the convenient road that's what he said that's what he used He, he didn't want anything to do with strife or or turmoil and he didn't want the herdsmen to continue to fight against each other and cause all of this turmoil and and just war within. He didn't want that. So his humble nature said, Listen, you do what you want to do, and and then I'll I'll make it work over here. And I'm telling you folks just up front right quick, that is something that is lost. People don't do that anymore. They, They do not. People want to be served. People want to be seen. People want to be recognized and noticed. They want you to take the the scraps and let them have the choice of the flock and the direction and all that. And folks, listen. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, said this. He said, I didn't come to be served. He said, I come to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. That's what Jesus said. A lot of you have heard me over the years refer to John Maxwell. A lot of people in ministry, or are, are, let me say, not the real church, but a lot of people in the religious circles don't really uh, altogether appreciate him. But I'll tell you this, for just from the knowledge that I know, that outside of Billy Graham, as far as reaching the world, I, I don't know of anybody that's, that's had more converts than him. I don't know. I stand to be corrected. But I do know this. Of the millions of people that he has led to Jesus Christ, they come from environments that won't watch Christian TV. They come from environments that won't go to a church or log on to the internet and watch religious programming and all that. So he's reached a group of people, and I'm not trying to spend a lot of time on this, but, but I want to tell you something about one of the things uh, outside of the best advice I've ever read and seen and studied about soul winning uh and the way he approaches it there's a story that i've heard him tell more than one time and and john maxwell's big thing in life and this is the way he he's known for leadership and 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 coaching not just churches and all that but companies and and corporations and and government agencies all over the all over the earth and one of the things that, that he talks about a lot, he uses the terminology of adding value to people. And all that is, is putting other people first, is what he's saying. And the story he tells that I'm referring to is one that many times when he will go out to eat with these billionaires, these people that's brought him in and all that, that he's, that he's trying to backdoor win to Jesus, is when they go to a restaurant, he will always... He's always thinking about ways to get access in so he can plant a seed and and drop the gospel and convert. And when he walks into a restaurant, so he's thinking about the group, maybe the group of men he's with, he's played golf that day. And if it's it's in a nice restaurant, it's got a nice window with a view, he'll, he'll strategically go first and get the seat with his back to the window so the other people can have the better seats. And, and he's done that many times. Well, on one occasion, he was in the same place for three or four or five days. And one of the, the men caught on to what he was doing. And so they went and, and, and they got the window seat first so he could get the seat. My point for, for going into that and telling you that when you are a humble person, you right out of the gate, folks, you're going to have the hand of God on you in a way that not even people that just claim to be Christians or church workers is going to have. Because there's a lot of people that claim to know Jesus and, and really do know Jesus, but they still want themselves known, and you can't serve two masters even if it's you and Jesus. We are told over and over again by our Heavenly Father that you've got to decrease so he can increase you've got to get out of the way so he can be the only way you've got to be so far dim and blurry that the only thing people see in your life is Jesus Christ and you can do that being dirt poor or being filthy rich like Abraham but you've got to have the heart of God after all Abraham was called the friend of God you've got to want God more than you want the cattle the gold, the milk, and all the riches that he had. You've got to want to please God more than you want to please yourself or get stroke. And you've got to be thinking like God thinks, how can I get inside that man and woman's heart? How can I make a difference for Jesus? And when you decide to do that, for me to live is Christ. When you get there, friend, I'll tell you, you have arrived and you put yourself in a category where there's a lot of room, it's not crowded, and God can do more for you as a filthy rich or dirt poor man than you'll ever be able to do living 60 years calling yourself a Christian when you humble yourself Under the mighty hand of God, God will make whatever direction you're going in to prosper. I don't care if it looks like the other way was the right way and people said, you should have done that. I don't know why you do that. You should have done this right. God will always order your steps and make you prosper when you decide, I'm just going to be Jesus, it's just going to be Jesus, I'm not really here anymore, I'm just waiting on the train to go home, and all I want you to know about me is that I love Jesus, and I love you, and I want you to know Jesus. When you get there, you have arrived, and God will do great and mighty things that you know not of, friend, because the Bible says that. One of the things that I've told here many times, and I'm going to say it again. I remember when I was going to Montana the second time. I couldn't explain it. I wasn't through with school yet. I'm still not through with school yet. I won't be. I'm going to graduate in heaven. That's what i am decided to do. And I didn't have a lot left. But God was dealing with me about going back to Montana. And a friend of mine that was was with me on the first trip said he was going back too. Well, it didn't work out, but but from I'm going to say from like September of 1989 to all the way to the first of the year, January 1990, I had everybody from a college president to close friends, relatives to State overseer, I, I had, I had every professional people, I had everybody, everybody you could think of, that tried to talk me out of going to Montana. I didn't know why I was going. Just like I don't know why we're doing what we're doing over there. I just know the man spoke to me. And I had everybody, that a lot of guys probably they, they would say, well, because of who the people were that were trying to discourage me from going. I didn't, I didn't get upset or anything like that. But I just knew God told me. I knew God says, go back, go back. It looked like the wrong direction. It looked like I needed to stay. I had a job. I had a car. It, it looked like that's what I needed to do. But God said, stay and stay with me and go in this direction right here. And one day, a friend of mine, Dave, his dad, his dad was in leadership. I talked about him not long ago. But he told me at that time, he said, Ope, I know you said God told you to go back to Montana. And I know everybody, even his superiors. He said, I know everybody's told you, Oak, not to go try to discourage you. He said, but I want to tell you this. He said, if God told you to go, he said, they can't nobody change. Don't let nobody talk you out of it. He said, you need to do what God says to do. And he could have caught some raff, but he kind of didn't care. But he said, if God told you to go, you better go and you better do it. I went and all kinds of things happened uh, while I was there. But I knew God had me going in that direction. And I really... I, what, 30, what are we, I don't even know how many years later. I I know for a fact, God used that time of direction in my life to see if I would be obedient, to prepare me for where I am in ministry right now, to see if He could trust me, number one but to see if I'm willing to be obedient, see if I'm willing to stand alone and go alone, because I did. I didn't go 100 miles. I went about 1,800 miles. I, I, I went a two-day journey. From, I mean, I went a long way from home, and I I won't never trade that, and, and I wouldn't take that back. But when you are doing what God tells you to do, the grass will always look like This is the quick fix. This is the answer. By the way, everybody else has already done it. But that's because your eyes is doing it instead of your humble heart that God has given you an opportunity to have doing it. And when your ways please the Lord, the Bible says, he makes even your enemies to be at peace with you and I'd rather have Jesus like the song says anyway than silver or gold I'd rather have Jesus than mansions untold I'd rather have Jesus than riches and fame and anything else you can think of I'd just rather have Jesus and sometimes Jesus is not where Sodom or Gomorrah or the plain or the water or the grass is sometimes Jesus is over here in Canaan and he wants you to know if you're just come over here where he is he's got enough to bless you like he's already blessed you before you obeyed him but you've got to do what he says to do church and the thing about this story God showed me and I've read it many times but folks and this is to daddies but this is to everybody when the angels came and I'm going through it kind of quick when the angels came and you know, they said, we're gonna. God sent us to destroy this place. Lot went to his family and his sons-in-law, thought he was joking. And they ignored him. And when God made a way of escape, you know what happened? He went, he got his, his daughters, and he got his wife, and they had to actually grab him by the hand and run. We, we covered this a few months ago, and, and run. And and the thing God showed me this week that I want you you to understand is that when God is moving and God is making a way in your family like he did, It's not time to play around then, folks. It's not time to look back at Sodom and Gomorrah and and try to have second thoughts. God made a way of escape. That place was about to be destroyed with fire and brimstone no more. A lot of people think it's the bottom part of the southernmost part of the Dead Sea where it's just Filtrated with salt so it's no more there's no traveling souvenirs God destroyed the place and that's what the devil's doing here he's trying to seek Rome to and fro seek whom he may devour he's a thief he kills he steals he destroys and God made a way for that family to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah but Lot's wife and the sons-in-laws didn't really buy into it and they paid the ultimate price for it. God is always making a way. Sometimes He makes a way through a message and I know that sometimes He makes a way when you're praying. Sometimes God makes a way and He shows you through something through somebody else. He starts moving. You've prayed for your children. You've prayed for your spouse. You've prayed for a door to open. Or you've prayed for cancer to be gone. Or a door to be closed. And God starts moving and we we seem to forget sometimes when God starts moving we want to kind of just take it lightly and we don't want to just run with God we start scratching our head and we look back like Lot's wife and then we wind up frozen in time and we think well God didn't move, yes he did move we didn't move with God and when God speaks to you even if it's on your knees in prayer you gotta move when God says to move, if he tells you to stand up and raise your hands in this sanctuary and worship him with all your might. I don't care if it looks like a graveyard in here. You need to move. God might be making a way for your family. Sir, ma'am, he might be performing miracles and he's waiting on you to go with him instead of laughing and looking back and trying to keep up with everybody on social media. When God makes a way, don't be Lot's wife. Don't be the son-in-law's. You need to hightail it and pack it and run Because there's one thing worse That's the cemetery That's making funeral arrangements I'd rather be a fool for Christ's sake Than to be a successful idiot on my way to hell in this world I'd rather be that way I think about another story This is the day of storage Didn't plan on it being storage a long time ago Long time ago We had a family in this church that had an opportunity to relocate. And it was more money, of course, uh, away from here. And I I spoke with one of the parents and I said, man, that's good, that's great, I understand. But the kids were beginning to get involved in in youth and in different things in the church. And this this is all I said. Naturally, I said, you need to really pray about it, and I'm happy for that opportunity. But you need to think about and make sure it's not going to do anything to your family as far as your children are concerned. Because when you make major moves like that, a lot of times it's too much for a teenager, and they kind of withdraw, and they can't handle all that. And they'll go to whatever loves them first or looks like it does. Well... They moved, and it was more money. And from what I understand about the whole city, and they're doing better now, but one of the children lost their way, got involved in drugs, got in all kind of trouble, and I don't know that that would have happened if you would have just said, well, there's some things Worth more to me than money. And it's called my children. It's called my walk with God. It's called my, my destination that I'm going to call glory. And I'm just going to have to pass on this because I'd rather see my children in heaven with me for eternity than a little bit of cash right now. That ain't going to last. you got to weigh it out, folks. That grass is not as green as some of you think it is right now. You better reconsider. You better reconsider quick. And you better think because there are some things... That can break you down worse than not having a little bit more money, and that's called not being able to sleep at night because your youngins on the side of the road somewhere, or they're living a lifestyle you don't approve of, and you're embarrassed when everybody mentions their names. Listen to me today. I'm talking to you in the name of Jesus because our heavenly Father on Father's Day is reaching out and saying, "Hey, we live in a world right now where the whole world is embracing." Sodom and Gomorrah because there's plenty of money there. There's plenty of acceptance there. It looks better. It's not as boring and it's shiny. And a lot of churches are embracing what everybody else is doing. But I got news for you and all of hell. I'm here to love Jesus, preach Jesus, the Word of God. We'll stand alone, we'll live alone. I told you last week, I'm prepared to live in the woods and preach to deer and to squirt. I'll do whatever but I will not go to Sodom I will not lower myself we're not going to take government money to do what every other church is doing right now we're going to live for Jesus Christ and Him only we're going to do it and what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah is going to happen to this world you're living in we were at the mountains this week for two or three days and I was looking at the mountains one time. I told Angie, I said, you know, it's just hard to believe all this is going to be gone one day. It's hard to believe all this is just not going to be here anymore. And I thought about that, you, you know, riding to the bay. It's just hard to imagine. You see all the beautiful things that's here, but there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and, and I'm excited about that because it's not going to burn up, cave in, get destroyed, and, and that's what I'm living for. You see, even... The best this earth has to offer right now, it's temporary, folks. Did y'all hear me when I just said that part? It's temporary. The people that like you today, they're going to hate you tomorrow. The prodigal son proves that. When he run out of money, he run out of friends. Y'all, y'all remember that, right? When you run out of money, you run out of Friends. When you run out of favors, you run out of friends. Sometimes, when you run out of uh, money, you run out of and favor. You run out of friends and family. I mean, I can tell you stories people in this church have shared with me over the years. We've got to understand something: if if we are really going home, and everybody wants to think they are, and and I hope and pray, like I said today, everybody is going home, but there has to come a time. In my life, even as a preacher, it's got to look like. It's got to look like the God, first of all. But it's got to be obvious to all of y'all in the world around me. He don't really care about that. He's happy with what God's given him. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not talking about trying to do better for yourself. And a lot of people will, I'm just trying to do better for my family or for my children. And, and, but let me tell you something. I don't care if it's money or what it is, but if your do-better is at the expense of God or anything pertaining to God, you are not doing better. You are doing worse, and you are doing harm. And that's what this man did not see. He knew God was good. He knew God had blessed him. And, And I'm afraid that a lot of people don't realize that when God moves... I need to be moving with him. I don't need to stay here. I don't need to get hung up what everybody else is hung up. You see, it it was just a simple old eye exam. He had what I call carnal cataracts. I'm talking about Lot. He had carnal cataracts on his spiritual eyes. If you turn over to Genesis chapter 3, let me see if I can get there. I'll read it to you. We see this happening. You see that our eyes always... Mess us up. The Bible says, so when the woman, talking about Eve, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, there you go, her eyes, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and here you go, it never stopped. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate so it was Eve's eyes it was Eve's eyes that did that not only Eve if you go over to chapter 13 where we just were at and you recall verse 10 what was it it was when when lot lifted up his eyes you know what I found today I found this today in this Bible right here that that lot he lifted up his eyes and he saw all of that over there. But Abraham, it took God to tell him, I think in verse uh, verse 12, or no, verse 12, 10, it took God to tell him to lift up his eyes. Verse 14, I'm sorry. It, God told him when to raise his eyes. And that is our problem many times, folks. We call the shots and we lift up our eyes instead of keeping our eyes on the floor where I can pray instead of keeping our eyes in the Word of God where His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We don't keep our eyes where we ought to keep our eyes because see, when God lifted up Abraham's eyes, He said, look, north, south, east, and west, as far as you can see, He said, I'm going to give you all that. And everything that Lot lifted his eyes up, He never got it. In fact, he got captured in the meantime. uh, Abraham had to go and take an army of 318 to save him because the kings had come together and they're going to kill him. But God used him to save him. God kept on saving him. God kept on uh, sparing his life. And I want everybody to know today and everybody watching today that you've got to be very careful. You've got to be extremely careful in this life because you will spend your whole life life using your eyes to look at what the world has and you'll want you a little bit of that you'll justify it with tithe money or helping out the church sometime but really it will have you instead of you having it if you remember in the seventh chapter of joshua you remember when they lost 13 men they got killed 13 families no longer were going to have father's day i believe it was 13 all because of Achan's eyes. When they had called all the tribes together, Joshua wanted to find out why they were losing, what was going on. And they got down to his, all the tribes and down to his family, and then they got to his immediate family. What did he say? Let's read verse 21. Do y'all have verse 21? When I, what? When I saw the spoils, a beautiful Babylonian garment, what was it 200 uh shekels of silver and a wedge of gold he said i coveted it and i went and hid it in my tent i want see it was his eyes and every time you have wandering eyes your eyes are going to wander off somewhere that's going to get your rump in trouble and it's possibly going to get your family in trouble and it might cost 13 other families to have irreversible trouble all because of our eyes but when you keep your eyes on Jesus and you don't look at anything but what God tells you to look at. You don't see anything but what God tells you to see you can rest assured God's going to take care of you and he's going to give you more than you've ever asked for. He's going to give you favor that you could never buy you could never create or generate God's going to do that but folks it's going to require me to have a humble heart and have my eyes on what God told me and I ain't going to look at nobody or nothing until God tells me to look at something how many of you by now thought it would be a little more Father's Day friendly it really is I'm encouraged already you know when Jesus was being tried by Satan, y'all remember that, on the mountain? Bible says he took him up on a high and showed him all, all, all the whole world. And he said that, he said, listen, I can give you every bit of this. He showed him the world with his eyes. See, Jesus, no dead people had been raised. No feeding of the father, no riding in on a donkey yet. Hosanna, nothing. No followers, nothing. And that's what Satan does. And this is the Holy Ghost right now. A lot of times when you feel like you don't have nothing, a lot of times when you don't have anybody, is when that snake will slither in and say, look what I got here. It might be the worst relationship you could ever, I've been in one of those, you could ever be in it might be the worst job you should have never taken. It might be the wrong house you should have never bought, or the car, or or the friend. And we could go on for days, I know, but listen to me. You've got to understand this, that God will not fail you if you will keep your eyes on him and don't look at what Satan is trying to temporarily not even give you he's using that to take you out and take you down and he will do it because he tried it with the Son of God you got to watch out I'm gonna say something because I don't know of uh, and this is the Holy Ghost again I don't know of a single person that this applies to and this is when I try to make these statements Right now, because we live in a very warped, 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 economically warped along with everything else world, if your supervisor or whoever comes to you and says, listen, we can't keep the doors open because we can't have help. Anybody been affected by that yet? Okay, settle down. But we're going to give you 10 more dollars an hour or $50,000 more a year because we're not spending it on other employees. But you're going to have to work about every Sunday. I'm not talking about people that's on set schedules. That's not what I'm talking about. Or people that, that they are forced to work overtime. We have several people like that. I'm talking about Something that's selective, and the determining factor is what your eyes see, which is the ching ching. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So I don't want nobody to try to box me in after church. Not on Father's Day, I'll drop you. I mean, I'll drop to my knees and pray for you. Is what I meant to say. You better be careful. You better be careful. He's trying to show you all the worlds. He's trying to show you Sodom. And you know what He'll do? Uh, Let me just kick it up a notch. I I really need to finish right here. But I'm going to be obedient. I mean, it's Father's Day. You you don't want to shortchange God of all fathers. Amen? I mean, come on. This is what He'll do. I know Him. He will justify Imagine all the tithe you could pay. They've been asking for money over there. Just think, you could give them $10,000 right now. You, You see what I'm talking about? That joker spends every waking moment of your life and my life trying to figure out what you will take, what you will grab, what he can get you with. He spends a thousand times more a week scenarios and setups to take you down and out than you ever do to try to shut him down and out. He does. He spends a whole lot more time on us than we do on him. You got to be careful, folks. Because he, he will justify it. And you know what? He'll say some, he'll, he'll throw the Bible out there and say, well, my ox was in a ditch because he'll, he'll, he'll use it. He quoted it with Jesus, man. You don't think he's going to quote it with you and me? He'll do it. So, I want to close by looking at verse 12 again. Let me see if I can go to verse 12 here. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Now I want to ask you a question before I ask you to stand up. And I, I want to just make a statement. If you build your house, on on the sand if you build your house on the sands let me say it like this if you build your house on the sands of Sodom that's the kind of results you're gonna get they're gonna shift they're gonna shake it's gonna blow away it's gonna be destroyed and it's gonna blow down but if you build your house on a firm foundation and I want to make a plea to families now not just daddies and fathers and men I want to make a plea to families everywhere and I want to tell all the families if your tent is not in the right direction, it's time to pull those stakes up and reposition that bad boy. And here we go. Say, as for me and my house, for the rest of our lives, we will serve the Lord and we're only going to go the direction of the Lord. If your friends laugh at you, they won't laugh at you when they're in hell. If you lose your job, you won't care about your job when you're in heaven. Amen. So we're going to set our house on a firm foundation we're not going to be enticed or fooled or tricked by the enemy we're just going to be still and we're going to know that he is God and we're going to keep our eyes on him until he tells us to lift them up I want you to stand if you will just stand up if you can and I want you to close your eyes of all things I want you to close your eyes and I want you to take 30 seconds And be real and evaluate what direction your house really is pointed in. Well, we at church today. That don't mean a thing. It's good that you came to church. It's good that people go to church if they're there to worship God and they're there to grow. But if you know, well, you know what? We kind of, you know... uh, Dr. Whitson that we play, played at the beginning, and I'm glad he said this, but if your house isn't, I may not firmly, firmly pointed where God can bless you northward, southward, eastward, and westward, you better watch out. You may be captured by the king here for too long. And you really ought to pay attention to what I just said just then. Today I think God wants me to reevaluate reevaluate. Am I really getting my house in order as a husband, as a daddy, as a father, a father-in-law, a, a grandfather, as a pastor, as a Christian, as a friend? Am I am I doing it or or, or is it just in a somewhat of a position because I'm a preacher and I don't want you to find out about what I do or anything like that. Because the day is the day of salvation. doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean I'm not saved. It just means, man, here lately, and I hope you don't know anything, but, because I really don't, but, you know, I, I, I've been, I've been allowing this to pull me. In fact, I get up every morning and I just, I'm, I'm not even intentional with just even praying, a a, a two-minute prayer. I don't even read a little devotion, let let alone a chapter or spend ten minutes with God. I don't even start my day right. God's not mad. I'm certainly not mad. God just wants me to know this is why we come to church so we can draw closer to him and that maintenance log I, I, I want that maintenance log to be right so you can't beat me to the altar today I'm already here first but if you just want to let me just say reestablish the borders and the boundaries of your tent. And you could be a single person. I'm not talking just the families. I'm talking, You just want to reposition all over again. And, and let the devil see that you are sturdying up the way you are, you're walking. And you're not going to be fooled by people or things or, or fads. I just want you to, just, you know what to do now. Come find you a place at the altar. And you talk to God about this not looking for a special prayer or to repeat a prayer after me I'm gonna help those in a minute that don't know Jesus but if you just wanna say Lord I I just want you to know on Father's Day this is what I'm giving you I'm giving you me and us and we all over again and I'm just gonna push these stakes down a little bit farther I want my children to know I want my spouse to know when I go to work the bar I just want, I don't want it to even make me take my eyes off of you and your word and your ways. I don't care how good and how green it is. I don't want to do it, Lord. Father, we gather all over this place. Online, we gather together, Lord. And we ask you, oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would know that we want to be all eyes on you Lord I don't want people to say which way did he go today which way did he go after church which way did he go on Saturday?" God I want people to know my eyes are on you my eyes are on your word my eyes are on the eastern sky I'm going home with the trumpet sounds and for me and my home my house I'm gonna serve you Lord it's my job to To point my children to glory it's my job to create an environment that makes them hungry for you Lord it's my job to to model as pastor Mike said to model Jesus Lord so God I recommit my home all over you my tent is toward you I want to be a person of humility I'm tired of trying to think about me 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 Lord I want to put other people first God, I, I, wanna, I just want to decrease. I want to be by a, a behind-the-scenes person. And then, God, i watch what you do with me. God, we give you, we give you our life. Every person here or online, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you can come right here at this altar. I will pray with you or online. All you have to do is say, Jesus... I have been in Sodom so long and it is killing me. My my life is full of salt. I have stayed still so long. I've not moved when you've given, given me an opportunity and made a way. And today, oh Lord, today, oh Lord, I've made my mind up. I want you to be my eyes. I want you to be my home. I want you to be my destination. And I give you my sin. And that's all you do. You give the Lord your sin and say, that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the light. And, and you will be a child of the most high God. And God will write your name down. Father, you've made a way many times. you made a way today through your word. When there seemed to be no way, God, you've come through with doctor report, with a uh, alone that you were able to pay off for us when we thought they were going to take everything away from us lord when we thought we'd never see our children or our spouse again god you made a way so god today i want to do everything i'm not going to take this message lightly i'm not going to be the sons-in-law i'm not going to look back at what it might cost me or what i had i'm more interested in what you've got laid out for me And what you've got laid out for us, oh Lord. God, I pray this week that you would bless these people. I pray, God, that you would make your face shine on us and be gracious to these people, Lord. I pray, oh Lord, God, that you would, that peace that we talk about, Lord, that passes understanding, somebody needs that today, Lord. I pray for the families of every person here. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be so engulfed in you and knowing you and hearing from you. Father, that that nothing else gets our attention. We look at it, we wave at it, and I ask you, God, to keep the, the church safe. God, help us to know that humility is your heart. And it's also your hand of blessing. I'm asking you, God, to help me make my mind up that my direction is the direction that you are in. I pray, Lord, this week that you would keep us safe as we travel home today. I pray people would cherish their time with their families. God, we never, ever know when we may not see one another again. And I ask that you let the words of our mouths And the meditations of our heart be acceptable. In your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And all of God's people said, Amen.